What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Just F It podcast. I'm Angelo. I'm your host. And I apologize if I sound a little bit off today. The weather here in Chicago has not been the best and it has been messing with my allergies and all that stuff. So again, I apologize if I sound a little weird, but I'm excited to bring you today's episode of the podcast because we have leadership consultant and coach Anne Lagusa. She she works with a lot of different Fortune 500 companies and she helps them with their HR, their leadership, their culture, their team management, all these type of things. And we go over almost all of those. Um, yeah, pretty much we, we touch on all of those things during this podcast. So if you're a leader, maybe you don't even consider yourself a leader, right? You don't necessarily have to be a CEO or a C-suite level, level ex- executive or a manager like to, to be considered a leader. If you're a parent, you're a leader, right? Like I look at it as leadership is not necessarily just a title or a role. It, it It's when you're in a position where you are able to influence others. So yeah, I guess in a sense, we can all be leaders and we, we actually are. It just kind of depends on how you interpret that. But going back to this podcast and goes over a lot of tangible tips. So if again, If you're a business owner, you are going to love this because this talks about how to deal with people, how to deal with teams, you know, different um, different ideas to stir that culture and to stir excitement and to build up that team community all over again. So this this was a really fun episode. This is actually one of our longest episodes at once because we usually try to break it down. But this one, you're going to have to listen to this multiple times because there's a lot of golden nuggets that Ann shares. So thank you, guys. I appreciate you. Have a great Friday. I will see you guys later. We have Ann Laguza, who is a leadership coach, and I'm excited to bring her on today. Coach Renata and I are here. And first off, Ann, thank you for being here. Why don't you start off by telling people who you are and what you do? Awesome. Thank you. Um, so yeah, my name is Ann Laguza and I own the Works Consulting. We have been in business for 18 years. Um, I have been in sort of the human resources and leadership development world for about 28 years, which is a really, I don't know, that just sounds really long. Um, what uh, my business does and what we really focus on is helping leaders manage their teams more effectively. Um, Because one one of the things I've noticed in just working with all of my clients is that there's sort of been a progression of people uh, having a tough time, really, not only from how do I find the right people, how do I manage them once I get them, and then if they're not working out, how do I move them out of the company in the best way possible? Um, So I really focus on those people in helping them just be able to do that in the best way possible. Awesome. And how'd you, how'd you start with that? Like was, you know, I I think about like leadership as one of those things that you have, you kind of have to earn the right. You know what I mean? You just don't wake up like, I'm going to be a leader today. Right? Like it's not necessarily how it works. How did you get into that? Um, So that's really funny because I sort of did fall into it. I mean, I, so when I started my career 28 years ago, I had an opportunity where um, the company I was working for was really looking just for college graduates who were enthusiastic. And I happened to check both of those boxes. And I interviewed and got the job. And that was where I started as a human resources manager. So it was my you know, second job out of college. 
Um, I was 22 years old. I had 150 employees that I was responsible for and I was the human resources manager. Um, and they really, um, they really trained me just how to not only manage the HR function, but then how to train people to be better leaders. And it's so interesting when I just think about that because I had no idea this is where it would end up. And you're right. No, talking to people today, people think, how did you get that chance? Like, what? What do you mean you just had to have a college degree and be enthusiastic? I mean, I was like, sign me up. I'm there, you know? So that's kind of how it started. That hey, That's awesome. I mean, you definitely, like, you broke the mold, right? You're just... <laughs> That's what I'm talking about, right? Leadership through example. <laughs> Absolutely. I know. I feel really fortunate. And I had a great mentor there who really took me under her wing. And I'm so thankful. I mean, I, I can't, I couldn't have written that kind of plan any better because it really wasn't my plan. It was just, it was just a way to get out of doing what I was doing at that time that I didn't enjoy. Yeah. And then it ended up really turning into a lifelong career. Awesome. Awesome. So I, I kind of want to step back a little bit and go, go back into that. So you were 22 years old and you had 150 people to look after. Was that right? That's absolutely correct. 22, just got out of college, right? Right. Leader, walk me through, like, did you have any prior leadership experience before that? So I had a little bit. I mean, I had worked in some various jobs in throughout college, that kind of thing, where I had yeah. a little bit of management responsibility, but I had never really been trained on not only how to be a leader, but how to even be in human resources and handle all the, you know, the complaints and the compliance and all that. And I had never done training, like facilitated workshops for people. Yeah. So it was such a unique experience because I, I still remember the phone call that I got. I was in this job that I was really unhappy with and um, a contact of mine had called me and said, Hey, this company's hiring. And I was just thinking you might be good for it. And this is they, seriously, these are the two things they want. And I'm thinking, but I've never done this before. Like, I don't even know, I didn't even really know what human resources was for sure. I'm like, I don't, I, this seems like, what's the catch? Like, that's kind of what I kept thinking. Like, what's the catch going to be here? Something they're going to make me sell. I'm going to be doing telemarketing. <laughs> this is cannot be real. Yeah. And, um, and then it really was. So it was a lot of responsibility. And I don't, don't even think I really realized it, but partially because, as I mentioned, I had this mentor who was my, she was my regional manager. And I just think she made it so easy to transition in because she really took really good care of me and made sure that I knew what I was doing. So mm -hmm. Definitely, I feel really lucky that that was a start. Yeah, yeah. And I, I want to like kind of dive into a little bit on how does it, how do you manage at 22 years old, how do you manage 150 people? I imagine out of that 150 people, there was definitely some older people in there, right? And, and I think in leadership, a lot of us, especially, you know, I go over this a few times where my background in law enforcement, I became a cop when I was like 22, 23. And I'm like, I need to tell people to sit down and shut up. And, you know, I'm like, I, I don't do that. That's weird, right? That's weird to tell this adult to go into someone's house and tell them to sit down and shut up. How, how do you deal with that? Like, you know, if, if, um, if, so, if the person listening right now is someone who is young and they may be in some kind of leadership or authoritative role, how do you transition from that? Oh, yes, that's a great question. Well, um, I, on all honesty, I have to say in my experience, I definitely made a lot of mistakes, that is for sure. And 
it was interesting when you said there's different age groups because um, the company that I worked at, predominantly, I will say most of the people were older than I was, um, at least by 10 years, if not more. And on a regular basis, I was challenged about my age. Like people would literally say, well, how old are you anyway? And how can you even tell me what you're saying? And so I'm kind of a little uh, sarcastic. And so I just started to tell people I was 16 <laughs> because nice. I just thought, you know what? I'm going to be ridiculous. And so they say, well, how old are you? I would say, well, I'm 16 years old. And then they would stop for a second thinking, is she really only 16 years old? Um, so, but it was, I made a lot. I mean, I definitely made some mistakes. I said some wrong things. I did some wrong things, but um, I, I had, I mean, I will say that I relied just very heavily on leaders that I had had up to that point who were really strong and, and just really kind of thinking about how do you, how do you want people to treat you, right? And so this is going to be the best way to treat other people. How do you want to be treated and just keep treating people the other way or that way? And I would say it's interesting you said that about new leaders because I love working with new leaders. And I think that you know, one of the things that I go through with them is really what kind of leader do you want to be? Like, let's just start there. And who are you? And just really been getting real with that. Uh, sometimes they say things that maybe aren't my leadership style or might not even be what I think is going to be the most effective. And I, obviously I try to work through that with them, but if that's really who they are and that's really what the kind of leader they want to be, then they should just embrace it and run with it. And of course, I'm, you know, I, I'm thinking about things like I have leaders I work with who are a little more micromanaging than I would like them to be, but that is who they are. They're kind of control freaks in that way. So yeah. um, I just think it's, you know, in my role, what I sat back and I thought, okay, I have this great opportunity and I want to, what, what sort of image do I want to present? And I was really trying to present a level of professionalism. We were trying to have fun. That was a big thing. And I wanted to impart knowledge on people so that they could feel that they could do their jobs. Mm. And that was just sort of what I embraced in every single thing that I did. So there's, there's a few things that I want to hit on with you. You said a lot of great things. So one, before I forget, I'm just going to put these questions out there. Like, are there, are there like a number of different styles? Are there like 10 main different leadership styles? And two, it sounds like for someone who may be new to this, what you said of just being a good person and just trying to listen and just going back to the basics of communication. Sometimes that's all you need to do. Am I, am I right? Totally right. It's, you know, I talk about this a lot because I think it's so important. I think we, we just got to communicate regularly with not only, I mean, leaders have to say not only what's going well, but what's not going well, hear what their employees are doing, but also just pay a lot of attention to what their team is saying. And, and I think actions are another big thing. I, I work a lot with, um, you know, clients will say, oh, I had no idea that this person's, you know, performance was deteriorating, or I had no idea. And I'm thinking, how could you have no idea? So then we start walking through, well, walk me through how they were day one, walk me through how they were day 60, right? And then, and ultimately they'll come up with something that they'll have seen, but didn't pay attention to. They thought it was just a fluke, but let it be a fluke for three months. And it's just so easy to have regular, it's time consuming, but it is so easy to have regular dialogue with your teams and you will absolutely stay in tune with them and know what is going on. And that's the, that is, 
it's so basic, like you're saying, but it's so funny how everybody's moved so far away from it. I have more phone calls I deal with on a daily basis where people say, this is what I want to say. And I, my response is, why didn't you? Well, I'm afraid. I didn't know if I could. Is it legal? Is it, is it right? Am I being mean? All of those things. And I, and I think it's great. There's a checklist, but it's like freezing people from leading their teams because they're so afraid of what the reaction might be, or they're so afraid of not being liked. Um, and it's, it's like, ah, it's frustrating for me. <laughs> because I want them to do it because they're on the right track and all they just need is that little push to take the step. I think that's so fascinating because, and guys, if you don't already follow Anne on social media, you have to because she is bringing so many incredible insights and tips to her stories. Like that's one of my favorite things to watch every day is just like what like truth bombs you're dropping in your Insta stories. But like, I think this kind of ties into something that you posted yesterday about employee surveys. And I found this so fascinating because when I used to work corporate every year, like basically the same time of the year, they would have what they called their pulse survey. And you'd have to fill in, like there are some multiple choice, there are some like short paragraph answers. And the point was for leadership to then figure out, well, what, what are people saying? What are people saying? And just like you mentioned yesterday, I completely agree with hating those surveys. So do you want to explain why you hate the surveys and yeah. maybe a new way of approaching employee feedback or employee leadership communication so that you don't need those surveys in the future? Absolutely. That's so funny. I, I went yesterday to do some surveys at a client's office and this was an exception for sure. And I had to post that I really don't like surveys. And one of the reasons I don't like them is because I think you already know what the answer is. And for some reason, we need to spend the time and energy asking people all these questions to find out what we already know. And if you don't know, then I'm maybe even more concerned <laughs> because why don't you know what's going on with your team? This, you shouldn't need to hire a consulting company to create a complicated survey to ask everybody their opinion. And the other, the other two things I talked about that I really don't like is so then we get the results and then my clients do one of two things. They spend the entire time arguing with me about the results and telling me, well, these aren't, well, this isn't accurate. Well, this isn't happening. Well, this isn't, no, 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 this couldn't be right. And then the other piece is trying to figure out who said what. Oh, well, I think that that, I think I know who said that one. And you know, the reason they said that comment is, and then they start to tell me some story, but it doesn't change the information. It doesn't change. Even if that is, a, let's just say this is the most low performing employee and you're having all these issues with them, that is still how they feel. And that is still what they're communicating to other people and that energy is still what they're bringing to work every day. So we have to deal with them. It doesn't matter what, where they are in the performance scale. It makes me crazy. So I really, every time someone says to me, I'm gonna, I wanna do a survey. I, my immediate question is why? What do you wanna know? And, you know, when I look at the questions that they want to ask and I really drill it down, like, what is it that you really want to know? Do you want to know if they trust you? Do you want to know if they think you're a good manager? We don't need to ask. I don't know how long your survey was, but I used to take one and I worked in a Fortune 500 company and oh my goodness, our annual survey, I think it was like 25 questions. It was so crazy. So it's just like, I want, I want to really, if you're going to ask questions, I want to drill it down to really, what do you want to know? And why do you want to know that now? And why don't you know it already? And what maybe, so if we have to do a survey, which I very rarely do, what do we need to change so we don't ever have to do a survey again? 
Yeah, I think that, first of all, I completely agree with you. Our <laughs> survey was very long and I felt like it took six months for them to, to publish the results. So it's like, why did I do this when nothing's going to change, you know? And I feel like a lot of employees probably feel similarly. But if I'm kind of like summarizing everything you're saying, in a way, I feel like if you're a leader, not only do you need to be constantly working at your communication with your employees, but you have to have a level of humility that you're open to feedback. Is that a good sum summarization? Yeah, absolutely. I, I agree. I think, I mean, I think that some, you know, back, I don't know how many years, because I'm not good at that, but there was a time where leadership was really that top down. And over the years, it's gotten pushed and pushed and pushed. And I think we've all read those books and we've all seen companies do it, but then actually applying it every day is a completely different story. We can read about a company that does it very well, but then taking that and putting it into our own day to day. And leadership is more about a relationship. And it really is, it, it, I, I think one of the things I get excited about is the current generation that's coming up is it's pushing people to start engaging in those relationships because employees today are less likely just to sit around and take a paycheck. They're going to say, okay, well, I'm out. I'm going to go find another job where I feel valued and I feel like someone wants to engage with me and that I have something to contribute. So I, I just think that's growing so much in it that it's that, like you said, it's this conversation, it's a communication, it's an open dialogue, and that employees do have a say in it. Granted, at the end of the day, the leader is the leader, and they have to have the final say. I mean, somebody does have to make the decision, and you're going to, you know, sometimes it's not going to be very popular. But I think when employees feel that they really are valued and that there are times that they are listened to and that someone does care about them, oh my goodness, it makes such a difference. So then let me ask you kind of uh, a, a strategy to implement this, because say you're a leader who's listening to this and you're like, oh my gosh, I don't know what's going on with my employees. I don't spend time, you know, doing anything other than sitting at my desk doing the work. How do I practically implement these things when it's so, it's such a foreign idea to me? Yeah, that's such a great question. So where you would take it from now, if you're, if, yeah, if you're thinking, oh, this is a great idea, you know, I'm going to apply this in whatever my, however, whatever kind of leader I am, whoever I'm leading, this is what I'm going to do. The very first thing I would recommend is meeting with the team and letting them know that you're going to do it. And I would say, and I think this goes back to your humility thing. I would say, listen, you know what? I realize that I have not been interacting with you as much as I should be. And I would like to change that. So this is what I'm going to do. Um, one of the things I talk about a lot, and this goes kind of to what Angelo had said earlier, is um, every two weeks you meet face to face with your employees. Uh, and in video conference, I will live with if you're not in the same location. But if you are in the same location, I want you sitting in the same room together. Uh, so you can say, you know, this is what I'm going to do. How I'm going to change this is number one, I'm going to meet with each of you individually, and I'm going to get kind of get an, an idea of where you're at, what you like about working here, and what you don't like about working here. I want to know. So this is their survey that they don't have to pay a consultant to come in and do. And then they can, in that meeting, they can say, one of the things I'm going to start implementing is every two weeks we're going to get together. 15 minutes is all I tell my leaders they need. 15 minutes. Set a timer. Tell your employees. That meeting is not about what my, on my list as a leader, it's about the employee. How are they doing? Where do they need support? What happened in the last two weeks that I should know about? Things like that. So I want them to do that. And so those two things, number one, like meet with the team, say, I haven't been doing this, but I'm going to do it. And then start the two week, every two weeks, having a 15 minute meeting. They would see just a huge improvement just from that. 
So then on the flip side, if you're the employee and your boss comes up to you and says, guys, we're going to meet every two weeks, but you haven't built up that trust with your boss, how should the employee then enter these conversations where it's like your boss is just supposed to sit there while you unload like all the things you hate about your job? I mean, how do you, how do you deal with that if you're the employee? That's such a good question. So I'm going to tell you it's probably not the most popular response, but I just feel like if you can't have that kind of honest dialogue with the person you report to, you've got to be looking for another job. So <clears throat> if you can't do it in that meeting and you feel like you have to protect your job, you got to get out of there. Like life is too short to be working somewhere you don't trust the person you're working with. And, um, but I know it's hard. Start with trying to, instead of maybe making it like you do this and you do that, just say, here's some stuff I've noticed. And here's some suggestions I have for things that might be better. I love when employees can come in with a suggestion because I think it helps the leader so much because the leaders often feel like they have to have an answer for everything, which is another thing I constantly remind them is you do not need to know everything. You can ask for help. But I think if the employee can come in and bring maybe some ideas of how to make things better, that would help tremendously. <laughs> um. I think that's a really great piece of advice because I definitely feel like one, I think it depends on who your boss is and maybe you just haven't had enough interaction with them that you just need time to build up your trust. So having those things like I've noticed this, this is my suggestion to fix it. I think that's such a great piece of advice for people to implement. Um, also, I'm kind of wondering um, if maybe you have new people starting in your team how would like the onboarding process look? Would it be any different to those two week conversations? So that's interesting because when I think when you start about, when you start somebody on new, I actually recommend that my leaders have a very tight sort of control for at least 90 days with them and that they meet with that person on their first day and say, listen, this is what it's gonna look like. Um, I'm gonna manage you really closely. And it's not because I don't trust you or because I don't think you have the skills necessary to do the job. I hired you because of those, I definitely think that. But what I do have is I have the experience working here. I know the politics, I know how to get things done and I want you to be successful. So to set you up for success, I'm gonna manage you closely. So that can look like um, the manager might say, I want you to CC me on every email or I, you know, I want you to, I want to meet with you. We're going to meet more regularly than maybe we're going to meet every day for the first couple of weeks to see how things are going. But whatever it is, you just let the employee know up front, it's going to feel like almost like micromanagement. It's probably going to feel very close management is what I call it rather than micromanagement, but it's only out of wanting them to be successful. And then as they start to do things well, that you just release the reins a little bit and let them go and do their thing. And then they will realize that you're sticking your word, what you said. And who doesn't want to be successful? Like I always think of any boss of mine, I, I had so many jobs where I just had to figure it out. And if any boss of mine or supervisor had said, and I'm doing this because I want you to be the most successful you can be, who's going to say, oh, no, no, thanks. I don't want to be successful here. I just want to, uh, you know, sit at my desk and fail. No, of course they want to be successful. But I think it, I think that again, it goes back to that communication. Like it's almost like a, every time I tell this to leaders, it's like, Hey, tell them you're going to hold this tight control for 90 days. Really? I can say that. Absolutely. Of course you can say that. And they're going to be happy about it because they know your intention. Your intention isn't that you don't trust them and then you don't value them. Your intention is you want them to be successful. And by the way, Renata, I want to say that I think that should be for someone new coming in the company 
And I think it should be anytime a new leader takes over a team, which also happens, they should do that same 90 minute, I mean, 90 minute, I wish it was that fast, 90 day process with all of their direct reports because those direct reports have never worked for them. So that's the new part. They brought, now they've worked in the company, they've had their jobs, but they've never worked for this leader. And while they're building that trust and learning how to get to a place where they can work well together, they need to be able to be really closely like, um, you know, tied together, I guess is a good way to put it. Mm. Now, I, ha I have a question that came from all that because that's, uh, I'm already thinking, right? I'm like, oh my gosh, I probably shouldn't have sent out those surveys to probably go delete that email now. <laughs> but I, I want to ask you something that uh, is very common out in the entrepreneur role, right? They'll say to be a great leader, you have to be a great follower. Is that true? Is that like, do you really see that trend of like, oh, he's a great follower. He's for sure going to make a great leader. What do you think about that? That's a really good question. I, you know, I feel like the people that I have seen be the best leaders. That's a really good question. Gosh, I'm thinking about all the leaders I coached and were they good followers when they started out? I think maybe... I mean, I think maybe they were really good. Okay, so let me say it this way. I think a lot of times leaders get promoted that are really good in their job, right? They're doing the work really well, and then they get promoted, and then we don't train them on how to manage the people because their job completely shifts, and they are not prepared for what that's going to look like. So I really think the best leaders are the ones who can listen the best and really sort of be empathetic to where their team members are. So maybe they are really the best. Maybe they were the best followers at a time. Maybe they were really strong employees who, um, or whatever, whatever their following role was, but that were able to just be strong in that role. And then they, they can, I'm not, you know, Angela, I'm not sure about that. I'm really not sure. That's a great question. I'm really going to have to reflect on that because I don't know if I, I always think, I, I think, I guess where I'm, where I'm getting stuck is that I think that there's a lot of good leaders out there and they don't have to be one thing to get to be a good leader. Mm. Do you know what I mean by that? Yeah, I do. I get yeah. That. I think there's a lot of, I, I, so I, there's this behavior assessment that I do called DISC, which people are, a lot of people are familiar with. And mm, People often ask me with the results of DISC, oh, does this mean if I'm this style, this behavior style, that I can't be a good leader? And I would never say that because I think every anybody can be a good leader. Some people may have a more challenging time with it. There may be skills that they're not as good at that they may need to develop. But I think if someone really, really wants to be a leader, they can do it. So, oh gosh, I have so many questions I want to ask. <laughs> um, going back to style, would you, as a leader, would you recommend creating a team that's more close related to you or more different to kind of cover different aspects of the business or whatever? What, what do you recommend? So I like when, and I remember you asked about the styles too, and I was thinking, I like when leaders can hire the right people to fill the roles and that that may mean that they're different than them. And that may mean that they're different than other people on the team. So, so I guess an example I would give is, you know, I've heard of complaints of an employee not fitting in, right? And my question always is, is it, is it that they're not fitting in because they're just not like everyone else? And is the fact that they're not like everyone else a good thing? 
is that maybe actually what you need on your team. So I, I like when leaders can sort of assess what their strengths are and figure out how they, who they need on their team to fill in those gaps. And I'm not be afraid to shake it up. I think that they absolutely should not be afraid to shake it up whenever they can, because I think that's how you have growth. And that's how you don't stay in one place all the time because you have someone coming in going, well, why are you doing it this way? What about this way? Or can I found a faster route or I found a better idea or whatever they might be able to contribute. I think that is how your team continues to grow and excel. Mm. So building off of like excelling as a leader, what's like the biggest mistake you see or the biggest hiccup or whatever we'll call it a mistake, right? What's the biggest mistake you see with someone new to leadership? And what's a big mistake you see with someone who's been in leadership, someone who's seasoned, someone who's been there and doing it for a while? Mm -hmm. I think that new leaders, one of the hardest thing, hardest challenges for them, the biggest thing they have to come over is being liked. They always want to be liked because they've been part of the team, right? And now whether they're in, whether they're got promoted from internally or they're hired from external, doesn't matter. They haven't been, they're a new leader. So they've been part of, now they've got to be the leader. And that means that you are not going to be liked all the time. That means you, people are not going to invite you to all the parties anymore. Um, you know, it doesn't, it's not always that way. And I'm not saying they should be hated by any means, but I always tell my leaders, your goal is to be respected. If they also like you, that's kind of a bonus. And, and I love that if they like you too, but I want them to respect you. I want them to just feel that you're there for them, that they can count on you, that you're going to be honest. You know, you're going to treat them with kindness, that you value them. Those are the most important things, whether they like you or not. It's funny, I, I coached somebody not that long ago and he, he was really struggling with this being liked. And I said, just think about all the amazing leaders that you've had. So he did that. And I said, how many of them are, were you friends with? And he said, none of them. I said, well, so, but you liked them? And he's like, well, I liked them, but I really more respected them. I valued their opinion. And I said, so you don't really need to like them, right? I mean, you can, or, you know, someone doesn't really need to like you. They can. And again, I think it's a bonus. I mean, I want leaders to be well-liked. That's ideally. I just want them to worry about coming from a place of consistency, building trust, and then gaining that respect with their team. Because that will go much further than if they're just liked. And then what you said about the sort of more established leader, I think the hardest thing with those established leaders is they do get stuck sometimes. They just really get stuck in their ways and they, there's a lot of complaining about things changing and that they don't want to change and they almost can't see the way out. It's like they're in that dark tunnel, but they can't see the light because they're just so, this is the way it's been or this is the way, or how could it change or why would it change and how much time is that going to take me to change? And so I spend a lot of time, I just finished an assignment with a leader who's been around for quite a while and he has a very unhappy team. And most of our conversations were around things changing and not staying with the way they always are. And he really, it's hard. It's really, really hard for him. I mean, he is making some changes, but it is slow moving. So then I feel like whether or not you are a new leader or an established leader, you do need to be really cognizant of reflection and thinking about, am I being effective? Are these strategies working or should I be changing it up? 
So then do you have a recommendation for leaders on how often they should be doing that? And if so, what kind of things should they be thinking about during that reflection period? I think that if leaders are having their regular conversations, right, they should every single year, they should be at minimum, but every year they should be evaluating what they want to do differently for next year. How, how things went this year, you know, was the team successful? Obviously there's measurements, whatever kind of team you're leading. Do you feel like they were successful? Are they engaged? Because you can have a successful team that hates working there. Um, are they engaged and do they feel valued? And really spend that time looking at what, what do you want to do next year? What do you want to do differently? And it's based on all the information you gather from your team. But you may need to change it up sooner because if I have someone that I want to remain on my team that I'm starting to lose because they're not engaged, I'm going to have to step that up. Um, you know, one of the, I mean, this is kind of along these lines, a story that I told before that I'll just never forget is I, I actually had a, an employee, I was the HR consultant. So there was this employee that worked at a company and she was an exceptional employee and she did so well. And her leader, thank goodness, performance management tools will be another like performance reviews will be a whole nother conversation, but her leader did the right thing and gave her, a, you know, an exceeds expectation and everything on her performance review. However, when they got to the conversation where the employee says, what do I need to do? You know, what, so what's, what, what, what's for next for me, basically? Her leader said, basically nothing. Like, we don't have a promotion opportunity for you. We don't really have anything for you. So that employee came to me as a consultant and said, so I just have a quick question. Here's a conversation I just had. And, I, and I, I'm, I'm, like, I'm thinking, this is an amazing employee exceeds expectations. We have a, someone who's really engaged and the leader says, there's nothing else for you. What message are you sending to that person? So it was kind of those moments where I said, pause, right? Went and talked to the leader. We worked it out. We got her back engaged and we, you know, we asked her for what she wanted, what things that would engage her for the next year. So I think that there's those moments that our leaders are going to have that moment throughout the year and don't miss the, that moment where you've got to engage that person. If you tell them there's no future for them, what else, what other choices are they? What, I mean, she was right. She would have been looking for a new job if that was it. If there's nowhere else for her to go. But instead, you know, in that case, I'll just tell you, we came up with, we asked her like, well, what kind of things, what would be exciting to you? You've exceeded expectations in all areas. What would be exciting to you? to look to your goals for the next year. And she came up with all kinds of things that were very easy things. It wasn't even about money or title, or it wasn't even about any of that. It was like, I'd like to learn some skills. I'd like to learn, you know, I'm, I'm noticing other people are doing, working on other projects that I haven't had exposure to. Could I possibly have exposure to those projects from time to time? So it's, it wasn't, it was such an easy fix. And it's funny because that story in particular, she actually went and grew on to grew up like on in her career to be a supervisor there and really elevated her role. And but her leader's initial reaction was there's nowhere for you to go. And then over time, the organization shifted and there was growth opportunity for her. So I I I I I could tell a million of those stories. I mean, I see it all the time where there's just these missed opportunities and I it's so, that's what I'm working on, like trying to get my leaders to hang in there and not miss those opportunities. I think that's such a great story. And I'm glad that you shared that. And we, we didn't even talk about that last week, but I'm glad that we visited that because I think a lot of leaders, they try to, you know, just like you said, they'll reward with money or they will reward with something around that. And 
a lot of the times if you do it right, some it's not always about the money. Maybe it just may be about opportunity or connection or, or something else outside of just the monetary value. So I'm really glad you touched on that because I know that there's a lot of entrepreneurs that listen to this who are also leaders, who are leading teams. And they need to hear that it's people aren't only there for the money. Not absolutely. everything. No, absolutely. I mean, you have to... You know, you have to be able to make your ends meet at the end of the day, right? Like if you can't pay your bills, of course, it's going to be about money. But money is just one of the factors. And I have seen more and more times that people are looking for opportunity, for feeling valued, for feeling a part of things. And it, it outweighs money. When my leaders rely on money and they always say, you know, oh, we don't have the money to give them a raise. I'm like, that. that's just, that's because you can blame that on somebody else. It's easy, right? It's easy to say, well, it's not my decision, somebody else's decision, or, the, or you know, we don't have that many customers, or if it's an entrepreneur, you know, maybe they can blame it on business growth, fine. But, but then it's time to look at what other things you can do as a leader to engage this person and make it now about you and not about this extra, ex, like extra, what am I trying to say, outside resource. I think when that comes up for me or my other least favorite surveys, which are exit interview surveys where you ask an employee why they're leaving and then employers come back and they, Oh, they're leaving for money. And I said, well, what was their second reason for leaving? Oh, I didn't ask that question. So this is the questions I asked. Oh, so tell me why you're leaving. Okay. Yeah, I'm leaving for money. Okay, great. So just if we could pay you exactly what you were making, what's the second reason that you left here? Because there's another reason. There people, if they can make ends meet, they're not going just for money most of the time. Like you said, most of the time, it's not just money. Money may be part of it, but it's money and my supervisor doesn't value me. The company doesn't seem to care about me. Um, I sit at my desk all day and no one ever gives me interesting work. I don't feel like I have any growth opportunities. Those are all the reasons that people end up leaving. Um, in it, maybe in addition to money might be part of it, but there's almost always an, another underlying reason that got them to you know, dust off their resume, start submitting it and go on interviews and actually get a job. That's actually why Angela, if I can add, sorry, that's why actually when it comes to that point, sorry, I got super excited. When it comes to the point of where someone's leaving and my employer will start, my client will say, oh, Ann, let's offer them more money. I'll say, no, no, no. Like you're, it's too late. Like the, it's gone, like the ship sailed, literally. It's too late. The money may have been the very first thing, thing else and something else. Now you're going to start throwing money at them because they're leaving. It's too late. They're done. They are, they're done. They've moved on. So let's like, the money is only one piece. The rest of it is. Okay. We cut out a little bit there just to let you know. Oh, we did. Okay. But it's okay. We're back. We're back. We're good. So then building off of that, I'm really curious if you are the leader and you've asked those particular questions to find out the real reason why someone is leaving, what do you do with that information? That's a good question. Well, then you need to start finding, like what I would do is if someone, so that this manager was not a good manager. People kept saying they were leaving for money and the company for years had sort of accepted that excuse until I got in there and started asking What's your second reason for leaving? And what we found is that this manager was, uh, she had sort of, the way they described, the employees described, she had favorites. And if you were her favorite, you got whatever you wanted. But if you weren't her favorites, you paid for it like on a daily basis. So once I had, I actually think I had two or three people tell me the same story. And I didn't even need to necessarily go that deep. 
then I was like, okay, now we have a, I know we have a problem in there. And so then I started to meet with every single, in that case, because I was their consultant, but I met with every single employee and asked very direct but open-ended questions to about what was going on in the culture back there. And it was, it was very quick to discover what was happening. What's hard, I think, going back to what you asked, when you're, if you're the leader that's getting that feedback, it's hard is coming back to what we talked about with surveys is we explain away. Well, they said this because of this, and they said this because of this, and that's not really what they meant. And I think that's where you've got to be able to do some self-reflection, and you've really got to say, you know, is this true? Is this true? You know what? I'm going to share a story really quick. This happened to me early on in my career. It made me so mad when it happened, but I am so thankful that it did. I, this was like, after my very first HR job, but down the road, I had a pretty big HR job. I had 600 employees. It was a privately held company. I built a department. I was a department of one and I built it up. I was supervising five different HR people. And I was not a good leader really there. I, I had lost sort of my, a lot of my skills of how to lead a team because I'd gotten out of leading a team for a little while. And so one of my employees complained to the president about me that she said I was too tough on them. Holy smoke. So first of all, the president calls me in his office, you know, and I'm mad because I am the HR director, right? You don't complain about me. Um, so after I got over being mad and he said, basically, Anne, you're going to have to do something about this. Like, this isn't acceptable. You have to make a change and you have a choice right now to make a change. You have a choice. You either make a change or you don't make a change. If you don't make a change, you're not going to be here anymore, but you can make a change. And I'm like, oh my gosh. But you know what I realized after I thought about it, the reason I was so mad is because she was right. Like I would lose my patience and I would get frustrated. And she did get more of it than some of the other people because of the role she was in. But she was right. And I'm like, you know what? After I kind of got over myself and got your e get your ego out of the way, I thought, you know what? I've got to do something about this. And so that's where I started to rely on people that I trusted in leadership and reaching out to them and asking them for how do I make this change? And then I had to bridge that relationship with her again because I wanted her to trust me again and feel comfortable coming to me. And we are still friends today. We are like close friends today. Yeah, it's wow. amazing. Like I thought this is over. This is never going to work. I, I can't. I was like, you know, doing what leaders do. Oh, first chance I get, I'm going to fire her, right? <laughs> so silly when I think about it, but I'm so glad I didn't. I'm so glad she went to him and it shifted some things I needed to adjust in my management so that when I get under stress, I think about what that sounds like and what that feels like to other people so that I can be a different kind of leader in those moments. Mm. Something you mentioned earlier was about culture. Mm. How important is culture and how closely related is that to the leadership in a business? I think the work culture is so important. And what I find a lot of the leaders I'm, I work with that are challenged by is that sometimes the work, the overall company culture isn't maybe exactly the culture that they want to have as a leader or the company sort of lost on how, to, how they're developing their culture but the leader's clear on what they want their culture to be. And I'm always encouraging them to develop what I call like a leadership brand. Like, what do you want to be known for as a leader? Assuming you're not going to be here forever and ever and ever when you leave, when, or even when just, let's just say you leave the room. What do you want people to say about you in terms of being a leader? Do they, do you want them to say, you know, wow, you, you know, Anne's a great leader. She's honest. You can count on her. 
you know, I really respect her? Or do you want them to say like, oh, she's not that good. And, you know, don't ever tell her a secret because she'll tell everybody or, you know, so I'm always talking about what do you want your leadership brand to be? And regardless, so if you're an entrepreneur, of course, I think creating the culture from day one is so important and really thinking about what do you want to be known for all the way down through your employees. And if you're in a bigger in organization where you have less control over the overall culture, do your best to create your own leadership culture in your team. And you should always have a brand. I mean, even if there's a strong culture, I think you should always have a leadership brand. It just aligns better with the culture. You want to you want to be known for something as a leader, but it it's really really important. I spend um, in some of my clients that are more entrepreneurial, I spend a lot of time in there developing, helping them sort of develop that culture and what they want it to look like. Because some of them have gotten really just confused. You know, you get sometimes you get so about I got to make money, I got to make money that you forget like, but what's the culture that you're creating? It's got to be more than just kind of running on a treadmill indefinitely. Yeah, I think that's that's so valuable because I do believe even unconsciously people have a brand. And unless you put that insight and that introspection into it, you're not in control of the the message the message that you're sending to the people around you. But I'm also curious then if you if you see your employees in your team exhibiting a negative culture or have a negative outlook on the team, could that then be a direct reflection of how effective your leadership brand or your culture is? I think it definitely could be. I think that I always, you know, when there's somebody who, anytime we have somebody who's not performing well, I'm always wondering, one, did we hire the right person, right? Sometimes I dive right back to the beginning because sometimes we didn't make a good hiring decision. We got pressured under time. We didn't interview well, whatever it is. Um, and then am I, yes. So then if they're there and we're like, okay, no, we think we hired the right person, but they're still not sort of reflecting the culture we're looking for. Have we been clear on communicating the values, what our culture is, have we reinforced them properly? Have we spent time with them? And what I find is when I ask those questions, there's usually something there where somebody will say, oh yeah, no, I didn't do that. Or what are values? I'm supposed to have values. (laughs) Yeah, you should definitely have values. Um, and, and I would say frequently it comes to a time thing where a lot of people say to me, I just don't have, I don't have the time. And I tell supervisors all the time, all the time, if you don't have the time, you probably shouldn't be supervising because that's, it's going to take time. And then the way, you know, most of the, the work environments are structured, you don't have, you're not just a supervisor sitting at a desk waiting for someone to come in and ask you questions. You're doing 25 things and running a team. So you, you have to make the time for them. And, I, and, and like I said, whether that's with milestone meetings, which I recommend, whether that's certain carving certain time out of the day to make sure your team knows you're available, whether that means you get up and walk around and check on them, but you have to have time for them to make them strong. It's such a, it's such a disservice to me, to the employee. I feel so bad when I'm in a, in a situation where someone has to terminate employment and it's because the leader let them down because the leader didn't train them, because the leader didn't communicate, because the leader didn't take the time necessary to make that person a strong employee, because they they very well could have been. So do you believe that there really are no bad teams, just bad leaders? I think that, oh, that's, gosh, you're a good question. I think that um, there could be some bad team member. Well, let me say it this way. I think that some team members are not matched right for that team. 
So I do think that there are, I think that there can be team members that are not matched right for the team, but I do think the leader is such, it's such a huge influence on what's going on with the team and they have so much impact. Just like I said, from day one till the last day the person's there. And at times I think there are team members that have been mismatched and they need to go to another, they need to go to another team and be successful on someone else's team. Okay, so how do you do that? Because I feel like you're walking a very fine line if you're a leader that's like, I realize that this person might not be well suited and I want to encourage them to, I want to encourage them to go elsewhere. <laughs> how do you do that? I know somebody calls that, one of my clients calls that graduating them. I want to graduate them to their next career. <laughs> so I mean, you know, one thing I've done in the past, you know, is obviously you ask the, I shouldn't say obviously, but you ask the person for their reflection. Do they like working there? Are they enjoying the work? All of that. If there is a resounding yes, and you're thinking, oh, wow, this is not a match. How is this happening? That they love it here. And I think then that's where you start having those conversations about, I need, this is something I have my clients do a lot. I tell them, you need to have what I call an expectation meeting and say, you know what? Time to reset for a minute. I want to go over what all my expectations are for you in this role. And I want to make sure that you still want this role because it either may have shifted. It may, I may have changed, you know, um, you may have changed the dynamics have changed, whatever things are different now. And I just want to make sure that I've been really clear on what my expectations are and make sure that they still want the role. And that gives them a chance to buy in on Yep, I do. And if they say, yes, they do, then great. Ex be excited. Good. We're on board. I've told you what my expectations are. You say you're in. Perfect. If they're not in, then that's where we got to start having those conversations about, okay, so you don't want to do the job that we have. Here, here are our options. And obviously that may vary depending on what, where you're located in the state and et cetera. But um, what are our options at this point? Are there, you know, is there someone else, somewhere else that would be better suited for them? Um, is it time that we start transitioning them out and making, having those conversations about that it's time for them to go and do something different? Can we make that as positive as possible? Um, one of the, one of the leaders that I've worked with that I really loved is she had an employee who shared with her that it wasn't his love, what he was doing. Like he didn't love his job. He didn't love the day-to-day -day tasks. He loved the people and the place and everything. And she said, um, I totally support that. And that's fine. As long as you continue to do an amazing job for me. And, and if at any point you find another job or you want to go somewhere else, I support that. And that's okay. You don't have to hide that for me. You don't have to pretend like you love being this in this role, but, but I need, while you're in this role, these are my expectations. And she held him to that. And I thought that was a great relationship that they had where he could be open enough to say, I'm ready to, I don't know that I want to do this for the rest of my life. And she was like, that's fine. I want you here as long as I get to have you, but you also have to follow these expectations. Wow, that's, I think that that takes a high level of self-awareness to say something like that. To say like, you know, for someone, like to, if someone told me, if Renata told me, she said, I don't like what I'm doing, you know, I'll be like, fine, see you later. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'll, I'll see you later, right? And then I'll probably call Ann, hey Ann, I did the right thing, right? <laughs> I think that really takes a high level of self-awareness and really like courage to, to say that, to say like, Hey, it's okay. You can keep doing what you're doing. If you find something else, I wish the best for you. Now I feel like when people leave a company or whatever, 
it's never you know it's like this it's a bad thing right it's it's like yeah uh you know do you hate them now are you guys on bad terms and what you just said there as a leader like you have to have that compassion and grace to to really have it be about that person not about my own selfish needs but really about the the team member i just really want the best for you and and I, I'll be honest, that's something like we've talked about at Modern Fitness, right? I, I, I've told Renata and everyone who's been here is like, I would love for you guys to stay with us forever. But I know it, it's a reality that people change. Your goals and your needs may change. And if that, if we ever come to that time, which I hope we don't, and you have to go and we have to do our own separate things, that's okay. I just want you to be better off being with us at one point or another. Right, so I'm I'm glad you confirmed that because I, I every time I said that I would think back I'm like why did I say that like that might be a bad idea like I just basically gave them permission to leave anytime they want like I don't know <laughs> like idiot no I think it's great I tell you know what I tell every leader like you one you should never be surprised when people are leaving you should already know that they want to leave um, for whatever reason because again regular communication with them you know that it's time for them to move on they should never be afraid to tell you they're coming to look for a job because it doesn't mean they're not going to still do a good job for you. Um, I, I want them to tell you so you're not surprised. And then there's something, it's so funny you said something that I saw that Apple did. So I'm kind of a fan of this, but I'm really right now working with some companies about their offboarding process. So we call onboarding when we're hiring everybody in, right? Offboarding is when they're leaving. And why is it so like, I understand when they're terminated for cause and it's not a good situation, but even those can still be dignified and respectful. But when someone's resigning, why isn't it a little bit more of a celebration for them? And I don't mean celebration like, yay, we're so glad you're leaving. <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> yeah, we were, thank goodness we wanted you to leave. But why couldn't it be about them a, a good thing for them that they are moving on to uh, to a better time in their career and their life and that the thing I was going to tell you I saw with Apple is they did this thing called a clap out and I think it was someone who got promoted internally in Apple but they lined up all the employees and the person walks out and they are clapping and cheering and like hugging the person and I was like that's the best thing ever why aren't we doing that and you know and if it's a smaller scale if you have a small team but why aren't we celebrating every time someone's moving on because obviously it was the best thing for them they made a decision and i feel like we should celebrate that and like you said it does take a high level of self-awareness and that you don't feel like oh poor me or what am i going to do without this person how am i going to survive and instead turning it about celebrating them and that it's their time to move on and do something different mm. just to confirm the clap out is when they get promoted or when they're like leaving the company so with that one that I saw the clap out, it looked like it was somebody who got promoted within Apple. So they were leaving that area to go on. Yeah, I don't know if you can clap them out if they're leaving a the company without it looking like you're celebrating it a little too much. <laughs> I was like, mm, okay, I'll try it. Let's see. <laughs> but I think just the concept of like, let's be excited and what does that look like? Instead of, you know, I've resigned from companies where nobody even talked to me on my last day. You know, it's like, I mean, HR did your paper. Well, I was HR for my entire life, but you know, your paperwork's done. You got your final check. Payroll gave me my check. But like the, you know, my boss didn't come and have a conversation with me. It's weird. It's like, this is strange. Why aren't we figuring out a way to move people out of here in such a dignified way and respected way that they feel 
kind and I guess warm feelings about the organization as they move on. Mm. So I know you, you have a question or not, and um, you, you, you should probably ask your question first. <laughs> That's right. Boom. Go ahead. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> clap out, clap out, clap out, everybody. <laughs> it's my question. Um, no, but seriously, I wanted to ask you a question that I actually thought of earlier while you were talking. So this might be kind of controversial. So I'm warning you now. Um, <laughs> Love it. But I'm, I'm curious, who makes better leaders? men or women oh my goodness listen to you i and i absolutely that is controversial but i will say i don't think it matters i think they're they're both can be excellent leaders they do a very different styles there's obviously different types of communication styles but i think that they can both be great leaders and i've had both I mean, you know, some people say, oh, I only like to work for men or I only like to work for women. I've never been that person. I just have worked for whoever I've worked for. And I think that I've had such great experiences with both. And I think that the people that I coach, I coach both men and women in leadership roles, and they both bring such interesting things to the table. I think, I think that's, I, I mean, I love that. I love diversity in general, but I love that diversity of how different, I mean, I think leadership styles, person to person, regardless of gender, varies so much and it really yeah either either can be good well that's women. a very pc answer yeah okay yeah women. i know of course women renata come on <laughs> so i i actually want to follow up with that so do you is there any kind of any mismatch or any pros and cons with a man leading women and or a women leading men like what what you know, kind of like what you, what Renata's question, who makes a better leader? Now, what if you're a male and you have more females, you know, kind of working with you or under you and vice versa? Is there anything based on your experience or, you know, whatever you want to? Yeah, I know. Cause I'm, I'm like, I'm not a gender expert, but <laughs> <laughs> now I'm like thinking, huh. Um, I, I mean, I will say that I think that one thing that I find when I work with my male leaders that they just sometimes have to be aware of, men do tend to, I'm, I'm super generalizing right now, I'll talk about, but men tend to process things through a little quicker and have a more of a like, okay, we, where women will hold on to it for a little bit longer sometimes and need more time to maybe process it through. And that's not always the case. But so when I'm working sometimes with my male leaders, I, especially if they have a female team, I just have them really sure that it may not just be like, okay, we're done. Yeah, we're good. Move on. They're, they might have to have a, another conversation or a little more of a conversation. But even as I say that, I think, you know, I know plenty of women that are also that way. They're just like, let's, have, let's move on. I just, I just actually met with somebody who's so funny. And she said, there's a little conflict in this office. And she said, just tell me what the issue is and let's move on. It's so funny. And the other person like wants to talk about the issue and, and wants to make sure she understands that she's being heard. And so I thought, oh, this is so funny. So even as I say that, I mean, I know plenty of women who are also just sort of like, you know, move on. But I think typically men tend to um, kind of have a, an ability to move on a little faster. Mm, wow. Yeah. Honestly, this podcast can go on for hours because it's not even about the viewers right now. And I apologize because I'm just like, I'm just asking you questions for me now. <laughs> this is not even about the podcast anymore. Like we got time with Anne Laguza. She's doing her thing. She's killing it. I'm about to ask her my questions and everyone get just, we just get to, you guys, you get to partake 
right? So I love that. <laughs> that's the perks of having a podcast. And and again, this was your first podcast interview, correct? Yes, absolutely. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I, I would love to wrap it up with this. I want to give you some some time to to put together that one if you could speak to any leader right now. Imagine that leader, whether it's an experienced person, someone in the middle, or kind of someone starting out, what would you tell them? How could they become a better leader? What's like your number one, number one tangible tip? That's a great question. I, I mean, I, well, I, okay. So I'm going to say, I have, I think I have three things that I would say. And so I'm going to keep, but I'll keep it concise. I promise. I know you said one tip, but they're three. Three is fine. Three is fine. Yeah. I would just say that they, They've got to be resilient. They've got to be able to bounce back from many difficult situations and be there for their team all the time. They need to be honest and as honest as they possibly can be telling their team members what's going on, you know, what the state of the situation is, good and bad, you know, I mean, whatever it is, they've got to be honest um, and they've really got to be kind. I just think they've got to be kind to their team and they've got to come from a place of, I want everyone to succeed and I want everyone to be the best they can be whether that is on my team or on someone else's team, the end goal is I want everybody to succeed. So come from a place of kindness. Wow. I love how simple you put it because I think a lot of people, especially now like leaders nowadays, they, they're so like they're hooked on the big, what's a big advanced tip, right? Like, what is it? You got to know your numbers, you know, you got to, you know, you, you, but I, I love it. Just be, be a good person and just be a kind person, right? Like I, I that's great. That's yeah. really great stuff. It goes a long way. It really does. Thank you. Thank you. So, and thank you so much for spending this afternoon with us. This has been such a insightful, like I'm taking notes myself and I'm like, I can't wait to re-listen to this just to re-listen to it. Right. So, <laughs> Where can people find you? How can they connect with you? Okay, so I, it's very easy. I am on Instagram and on LinkedIn and on Twitter, all under the same handle, with, which is at Ann Laguza, which is spelled, you're probably going to have that, but A-N-N-E-L-A-G-U-Z-Z-A. Awesome, awesome. Thank you guys so much. I really appreciate it. I really, this is awesome. I really appreciate your time. Did you have fun? Yeah, I had a great time. Awesome. Awesome. Well, we, we want to appreciate you. Thank you so much. We're excited for this to come out and we will definitely check with you next time. Thank you.